resignation of John Tory. What could that possibly do to either improve um, the way that Toronto, the municipality, um, relates to the province, or what kind of impending disaster could we be in for if we elect the wrong person? Here to help us unpack all of these interesting political factoids and scandals is the one, the only, Sherry DeNovo. Sherry, how are you? I'm good. I'm good, James. How are you? I'm doing okay. Um, are you glad that you're out of politics right now? <laughs> uh, well, I'm not really out. You know, you never, you, you, you can't get out. It's like the mafia, right? Like yeah. once you're in, you're in. Um, and uh, so I, I just, you know, um, I'm on the sidelines or in the back rooms, but I'm not uh, on the front lines anymore. And that feels good for sure. I want to play a clip of something that sort of encompasses both of the... Uh, situations that I, I touched on in the intro and uh, we'll come back. It's about 90 seconds and we'll come back and we'll get your thoughts. Sounds good. Well, if a lefty mayor gets in there, God help the people of Toronto. We saw it before when Rob was there, taxes going through the roof, you know, out of control spending, uh, worrying about, you know, lining the pockets of city halls, coffers. We have a different philosophy. Our philosophy is put money back into the taxpayers' pockets, reinvest in the companies, and that's how you have a thriving economy. But folks, I'll tell you, if a left-wing mayor gets in there, we're, we're toast. I'll tell you, it'd be a disaster in my opinion. And uh, so I, I believe uh, Mayor Tory has done a great job on economic development, making sure we build great transit systems, and keeping uh, taxes as low as he can at the rate of inflation. Uh, and that's what so that's my opinion on that would you rescind those powers if no no I'm sorry I apologize uh, no I, I would I would not rescind them uh, the people will hold the politicians accountable no matter if it's a federal government be it myself or the mayor of any city out of the 444 municipalities uh, that's what I love about democracy if you don't like him or her the leader at the time Guess what? In four years, you get to replace them, and that—that's a fantastic system. So, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't rescind them. Matter of fact, I want to expand them. Now, it's Doug Ford, so I could have stopped that every ten seconds and torn apart almost every syllable. Um, first of all, I don't know who his communications advisor is right now, but I don't think that he should ever utter the phrase "lining the pockets" because <laughs> the things that he's 
he's rightfully been accused of doing. But but let's talk for just for a second. He's the messenger in this. Your thoughts on John Tory? Um, I don't know how you how you uh, felt about him as mayor. I, I probably have a, a you know a fair idea. What does that do to the landscape, the shifting landscape in Toronto politics? And is there an opportunity here, or or what are we what are we looking at? You think? Uh, well, first of all, I worked with John Tory. You know, he was the leader of the Conservatives at Queens Park when I was there, uh, and uh, sit in one of those uh, green leather seats. Um, you know, he's the quieter, gentler Tory. Tory. But um, but the reality is that he's still a conservative, and you can see this in his budget, which he very, I think, undemocratically decided to just stick around for, uh, squashing dissent as he can, uh, and not uh, allowing you know real free ranging discussion about, for example, a bloated police budget and not keeping warming centers open, which means people will literally freeze to death on our streets this winter. Um, it's warm now, but, you know, that passes. Um, in terms of, of, of Doug Ford, of course, one can't trust his word on much. Uh, I mean, this is a man who's paving over the green belt or plans to. And the only people that serves are his developer friends who gave over $600,000 to the Conservative Party. And that's not being investigated, interestingly enough, by the OPP. Wonder why. Uh, so, so that's Doug Ford. So we've got a problem both provincially and at the city level. I think it's uh, it's the right thing to do that Tory is is resigning. Uh, absolutely, the the hope is that we get somebody in that will actually run the city for the people who live here, and not the people who just make money here. Um, that's the hope. So uh, we're we're still waiting. We're waiting. What is it about a politics that many of us, including myself, don't understand? When we see um, the, the the whole stag and doe controversy thing, actually, l- l- two parts. First part actually is, what is it about the the state of politics that I don't understand? Where where people were allowed to buy property inside the green belt when it was supposed to be protected area, not for development. What what, what am I missing here? Like, uh, was there always an uh, an uh, an avenue for? private enterprise to buy chunks of the green belt or was this a loophole like why did that even happen in the first place well it's a very good question and one that uh, the NDP is asked to be investigated of course uh, by both the uh, auditor and also the ethics commissioner so we'll see what happens there but uh, you know really this is a criminal matter it seems to me I mean why we had one developer who was borrowing money at 21 percent interest to buy property in a protected area that he could never develop on uh you know that's a pretty big red flag (laughs) that he got a tip off that that property was going to become available soon so and and the other thing that really irks me about this is where's the news on it you know it's all about john tory now so one of the one of the issues here is of course the changing the channel so you've got conservative media bell media you know who doesn't report on this at all um, no reporting on the stag and doe and the money. I haven't heard any lately. Um, uh, no reporting on the, on, you know, the green belts falling off the map in terms of reporting. So uh, unless you're on social media and, and squawking about this a lot and interacting there, you're not hearing about it. Uh, that, I think, is horrific. Um, that really shows you how deeply um, money rules in terms of our mainstream media and also, of course, politics. 
So again, you know, money talks and clearly it talks pretty loudly when it comes to conservative leadership. Uh, as I said, $600,000 is in chump change in donations and not to mention the money they'll make once they begin to pave over farmland and uh, environmentally sensitive land in our province. Yeah, do you, I remember when Dalton McGuinty was sort of forging out this green belt thing and one of the main pieces of criticism I heard over and over again at the time was if you want to know where they're going to develop in the future in Ontario, look at where the green belt is. Now, is that because McGinty left the door open, uh, you know, when he set all this up? Was it, was it always intended to be some sort of like, oh, if you guys want to know where to invest in the future, why don't you push, start putting your money into the green belt now because eventually we'll open up development? What was the, what was the reason for that? I mean, who knows uh, what was going on there. Uh, uh, certainly, the Liberals were also good friends with developers, and we know that they also received a fair a wad of cash from them in terms of donations back in the day. I think all that money has gone to the Conservatives now, who are more dependable at, <laughs> at ruling in their favour. Um, so there's that. I mean, all I can say is, this: you know, I was, I'm one of the few born and bred Torontonians. I, I, I've only ever lived in New York other than here. So, I mean, and I have see, seen the city go in my lifespan from, you know, Toronto, the clean, for, like walk around our streets these days, look at the potholes, look at the dirt. Um, I mean, just even, uh, just even visually, this is not the same city. Uh, certainly, we didn't have uh, the homeless problem, not even close. I mean, I remember, you know, knowing the names of most, I was a street kid myself, and knowing the names of most uh, kids and adults that lived on the street. Um, that's, uh, there were no food banks. Think about that. Um, they didn't kick in until the eighties. Uh, you could live in the city on one salary. You could own a home and, uh, and possibly, and a car. And for some in the middle class, if you got together with relatives, you could even have a cottage as well. And one generation, that's the shift. And when you look at why that shifts happened, uh, the shift has happened because of the tax breaks we give to the wealthy. Wealthy do not pay taxes in this country anymore, and we don't go after them when they don't. Um, huge corporations get away without paying a cent. So that's the difference. Uh, governments at all levels don't have the money that they used to have to be able to pay for things. I used to be able to rent a basement apartment and feed myself on what we called welfare back then. You can't do that anymore. You starve on welfare now. So that's one generation's difference. Just imagine what it's going to look like in the next generation if we let this slide happen. Okay. Um, why does John Tory need to resign? Um, well, John Tory needs to resign because he had an ongoing affair with a staffer, which is an ethical breach. Um, so there's that. Um, but I also suspect there's another shoe to fall there. Uh, I, you know, like Doug Ford had a, a, you know, relationship with his staffer. He didn't resign over it when he was at city council. That's pretty well known. Um, I mean, politicians having an affairs with staffers. This is not, uh, you know, something, you know, brand new. Um, it seems, and plus it apparently has been over for a while. So I suspect there's something we're not hearing. I suspect there's something behind this story other than changing the media channel, which it has done effectively. But I suspect there's something else we're, we're going to find out. and Or maybe deals are being cooked up as we speak in the back room to keep him there. I don't know. Did you find it odd that the person that he had an affair with ended up at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, and then he made a point in his resignation statement 
to say that there was no impropriety about how she got there? Did you find that odd that he would just offer that? Of course. I mean, this is, it's all, you know, it smells, right? <laughs> it just all smells. Um, and as I say, I don't think it's over yet because, uh, it, you know, something's going on. And I suppose, you know, hopefully we'll hear about it. I mean, that's the other thing. Hopefully we'll hear about it. Hopefully it will be reported. And uh, I see in the chat, somebody mentioned Colin DeMello does his best, but doesn't get much airtime. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's a pretty sad and sorry state of affairs. And, and we haven't even talked about the privatization of healthcare, which is, I think, the major blow that this province is going to experience. I mean, already we're seeing clinics that were public going private, like fertility clinics in parts of the province. Um, I know that for cataract surgery, it's long been the case already that you can get it done in two weeks if you pay 5000 or more. Um, other than that, you have to wait for months if you're lucky. So privatization has been ongoing and it's, it's just ramping up under uh, Doug. So we'll have private surgery clinics. And uh, clearly the idea is to make us like the United States. And we in Canada always thought we were a little bit better than that with our Medicare system. So, um, so, and, and, and what I, I'm amazed that there's no general strike. I'm amazed there's not more people in the street. And, um, and I certainly think that the situation warrants it. The healthcare situation alone warrants it. Hi, I'm Steve Yurko. And I'm Tara Sands. Now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. Like the green belt, there's another thing that just seems way above my pay grade, uh, way above my head. If we're a country that that um, has embraced and codified universal health care, why are private clinics even allowed to open? Good question. Um, and they've always been, I think, in contravention of the Canadian Health Act. Um, they've skirted around it. You know, there's lots of technicalities, lots of lawyers involved, of course. Um, so this is, you know, this is a mark against the federal government, too. Like, why aren't they cracking down on this? Why didn't Trudeau make this a requisite for giving money to the provinces? Because, you know, again, he knows um, better than anyone that this money is going to be fed back to the private sector if it's in the pockets of Doug Ford. So why did he not put more stipulations there? So again, you know, um, I mean, we're, you know, we're, we're dealing with um, well, very wealthy you know, um, men, white men who are, um, yeah, um, taking rights away from us and taking services away from us as we speak. And it's not affecting their friends. Um, they can pay for what they need. It's going to affect a whole lot of other people. And as I say, uh, in particular, looking at the very margins, people who are going to freeze to death on the streets this winter. 
what role does the federal government have, if any, in order to, to sort of help stave off this um, two-tier attempt at our healthcare system? Because I, I, it's been oddly quiet uh, out of Ottawa, and, and I can't tell if that means that, you know, they're waiting or if they are uh, colluding. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know the backroom answer to that, but I can say that the government, the federal government does have tools. The, gov the federal government's got the money. Um, they could have held out, they could have, uh, you know, put prerequisites to getting that money in front of the provinces. Um, and, uh, and certainly upholding the you know, Canadian Health Act would be one of them. So I don't know. I can't answer for Trudeau and I can't answer for Doug. Um, but um, but again, you know, it makes one think, you know, who's who's funding the parties? I, I, that's always a question I, I like to ask because, uh, you know, who pays the piper, et cetera. When, when, and it's so funny when I think about donors and lobbyists, I wonder, uh, you know, if, if I could ever like interview a politician right after he meets with the lobbyists or right after they accept a donor check and just be like, what are you going to give him for it? You know, like. People donate money for reasons, right? To shape the policy that will benefit whatever they represent. So when a developer donates 600 grand to a party and then that party, you know, makes decisions in favor of the developer, it, it smells and looks like, or walks and talks like a duck, but no one ever says, hey, that's obviously a duck. What, what is it about our system? And, 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 and is it something that we can go back to? Like, you remember when the federal government, when the Harper government decided that the per vote subsidy wasn't the way to go anymore? I feel like he kind of destroyed democracy in a way. You know, and, and yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, absolutely. You're, you're so right about that. Um, and and I, I do want to give a shout out. Uh, not all lobbyists are de big developers and multinationals. Um, you too, we are lobbyists. And so please use your lobbying power uh, to talk to your politicians, both federal and provincial, about all of this. You know, make you know, make sure you get an appointment with them. Keep you know, hammering at that door until you get them to open it or respond in some way. Um, you know, speak up at all candidates' meetings. Leaflet your neighborhood. Get involved. Like I have seen every bill that I've managed to pass has been passed uh, with a lot of other people who are great lobbyists. You don't get paid a dime for the most part for doing what they do. Who just want to stand up for the public good. So, so please keep that in mind. And the other point, we do have an ethics commissioner. At the, at the Ontario level, and boy, oh boy, they want to know everything you're invested in, how much you have to, you have to sign these waivers, pretty much, I think it's every time you're elected, um, or if not every year, about how much you own, you know, um, it, all of that. Uh, but then something, this huge breach happens, which is clearly a violation uh, on the face of it, and nothing. So one could ask, do we really have an ethics commissioner if they can't yeah. call Doug Ford of the carpet for this? Yeah, uh, I, our, our, our this is kind of an aside, but our integrity commissioner um, system in this province is also crazy. It's it's a for profit racket, um, and they always side with council. I, I, I'm doing a big story on this about there's one company that represents 52 municipalities, and funny enough, every decision that they've made has fattened the pockets of themselves or the law firm that they partner with to also represent. Uh, municipalities. So um, we. anytime I see the word integrity, Commissioner, I'm always a little bit like, oh, that's probably the opposite of what that person is. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Know. I like the I comment. Guess, I just have to say, I like the comment. Yeah. Linda, um, the NDP could have insisted on more public. Yeah, bravo. Yes, they could. Why didn't they? 
So, um, you know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm nonpartisan here in my, uh, <laughs> in my commentary. Yeah, why didn't they? Why didn't they not do that? Yeah, there's a, that, that, you don't want to, I, I love how people get really hung up with the terminology. It's like, it's a coalition. It's like, I don't know, you know, it's, it's, it's a couple of things that are being um, uh, agreed upon behind closed doors. And then Jagmeet just goes out and starts dissing him on Twitter, but he never votes against him on the things that matter. It's really weird. But, um, okay, uh, two things I want to talk about before I let you go. Mm -hmm. One was Bill C-11. Bill C I wanted to know what your thoughts are on that because I actually haven't heard, even progressives that I speak with are pretty much against this bill, at least as it's written. And I was just wondering if you were a progressive that was for this bill, and if so, why or why not? You should you should tell everybody what C eleven is about. Just you know, we numbers and letters often. So. It, it's it's a difficult bill to explain, even after reading it, and, and or and after reading Michael Geist's comments, and after reading um, you know uh, the Senate uh, committee, like you know, and and the questions that they had. But Bill C eleven is supposed to level the playing field be between online broadcasters and uh, traditional broadcasters, um, and they want CanCon requirements, I believe, to be at thirty five percent, and they want to be able to take uh, um, digital content creators like myself and have us pay into a system to sort of uphold the grant system in film and television in this country. Am I basically getting it right? Yeah, um, I, I mean, again, I, I, you know. I'm not as up to my eyeballs in federal um, policy as I am provincial and municipal, so I apologize for that. Um, any, in my mind, anything that makes someone like you have to pay, or someone like me, because I do a podcast too, um, and I'm also on, a, on an alternative radio station um, that has to pay more than they already do to stay in business, ain't such a good thing in my books. Um, you know, like people like us are are. I think completely more and more necessary in the broad range of media doing what we do. I mean, we, we, we are essential now because mainstream media is pretty well bought and sold by uh, a very few conglomerates at this point. So we need alternative voices. We need to make it easy for alternative voices. And I know that also means the right wing. Um, but uh, I mean, you know, that's called democracy. So let us have at it. Uh, and I know a lot of people will simply shudder if they have to pay anything more than just their time, which is what most people are paying for right now. And, you know, a few odds and ends. Um, so uh, again, um, I wouldn't vote on this without, you know, doing more of a deep dive into it, but that aspect of it makes me nervous, very nervous. You probably saw a couple of things in the comments. Um, I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say, but um, when you first heard that he resigned, and I don't know if you've heard that clip of Doug Ford before I played that for you, but when he's talking about how, oh, if a left-wing mayor got in, it would be a disaster. And then all I keep on thinking is, will Sherry DeNova run? Uh, oh, no. I, I mean, first of all, you know you know how much money it takes and how much organizational wherewithal it takes. Half a, half a um, you know, I mean, this is this is big money. Game. This is big money, big time. And even David Miller, when he ran, you know, had uh, uh, had a conservative, you know, working on his campaign as well. So um, just just let's say that, uh, you know, um, I, and, and, you know, I, I'm there. We have some great counselors there. I'm hoping they'll they'll really one one or other of them will step up and take this on, um, but I mean the reality is, uh, 
you know, it's going to be up to us. I mean, I, I think we are the ones that hold politicians' feet to the fire, and we should, and we we can do that every bit as easily from outside politics as we can from inside politics. And it just really, as I say, I'll go back to where is the general strike? Where are the more people in the streets? Where is the uproar for healthcare for sure? This is what makes us Canadian, my goodness, you know. Tommy Douglas was voted the greatest Canadian not too far back uh, for exactly that reason. Um, so, uh, so again, um, if you're in a union, talk to your union leadership. What the hell? <laughs> you know, that's all I can say. What's going on there? Why the silence? I mean, we have nurse strikes in New York. We have nurse strikes in the UK. So um, there's that. And, uh, and somebody commented here, I saw that, yeah, it is not a coalition government at the federal light. It is, it is Jugmeet um, propping up Trudeau. Um, and I think we could have got a lot more for that deal. A lot more. No, I, I agree. I- you know, I also remember when David Miller ran, I, I, I actually interviewed him in his office like four days or something before he left. And um, he said something to me that kind of troubled me a little bit. And, and what he said was, is that if you can't raise uh, at least 200, I think at the time he said $200,000 when you're running for mayor, then you're not a serious candidate because the business community doesn't support you. And it left me so deflated. It made me feel like there's only a certain kind of person that can be elected mayor and they have to be a business person or at least someone that the business people think is a really great guy. And I was like, really, is that what it takes? Is is, is that an unfortunate byproduct of politics or do you think that maybe that that isn't necessarily the case? I, I mean, it, it's sad, isn't it? Because, I mean, small business is suffering. I mean, you know, so it's not just about business per se. It's about big business. Um I mean, your mom, like, look at, like, I live close to Queen Street, my favorite street in the world. Um, and, you know, I'm looking at all the shuttered stores, all the shuttered retail, the one-offs, the really interesting little restaurants and things. Uh, and people really suffered during COVID. Um, lots of people put their life savings into these, work hard and probably make less than minimum wage, and certainly did during COVID. And they're losing their businesses, they're losing their livelihood. Um, they're also responsible for about 85% of new jobs in the province. So, you know, who's helping them? They're not giving $200,000 to mayoral candidates, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so who are we really working for? And I think the answer is pretty obvious in, ter- in this world. But, but I mean, some, somewhere, sometimes, somehow, somebody got to get a backbone, you know, politically. And I think that's where we, you know, Doug Ford is right about one thing. We don't have to vote for them again. Um, um, we do not have to vote for them again. And we don't have to wait till elections. We can make our, our feelings known. I mean, look at the successful education strike that happened. That worked. Why don't we do more of that? Um, why don't we do more of, of just making sure that, like you, James, thank you, um, getting the message out, an alternative message, and, um, and, and also just keeping our, our politicians' feet to the fire in terms of their response to us. Because, after all, uh, I know that it, when I was, you know, in elected office, we took calls. We tried to get back to people within 24 hours at my constituency office. We didn't always succeed, but at least we'd send them a note saying, we'll get back to you soon. Um, so let's get response. Let's get some responsibility, responsibility out of our currently elected politicians and particularly the conservative ones. Don't let them off off the hook. No, I, I tend to agree. And uh, I'll leave you with this one last question. It just popped into my head, but I think it's worthwhile. We had a 30, what, 33% voter turnout in the last provincial election. It's one of the reasons, and I may be reaching here, but, but I find polling to be so damaging to the electorate. I find that it, 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 it doesn't 
reflect voter opinion. It shapes it. And oftentimes the um, it, it, the way that it manifests is a lack of voter turnout because people are like, oh, Ford's in a cakewalk. Uh, no point in voting. Are, are, is polling damaging to the electoral process? Well, absolutely. And, it, and that's why it's banned in many regions during an election. It's not allowed. Um, and it, remember, it's only a snapshot. Uh, but yeah, you're right. It's demoralizing and it's not always accurate, as we know, too. Um, but also, I think, you know, people are in rage and people are suffering. Like the average salary in Canada is like 50 something thousand. Well, you can't live in any of our cities on that salary. Good luck with, you know, and, and for the first time in most of North America, kids are doing way worse than their parents. Um, I don't know any young people that can afford to, you know, buy anything in the city. Um, I mean, this is, people are barely getting by on a lot of debt. Um, this is not a sustainable situation. So who's going to answer to them? I think we really need to kind of step up our political game and start answering to people and start saying, you know, this, this system isn't working. Let's take a page out of, you know, PP's book and let's have big rallies. Let's, let's, let's talk about the elites. Let's use those words he uses, but let's use them honestly. Instead of being paid by the elites, let's talk about the elites and let's talk about how the wealthy don't pay taxes and you and I do. Let's talk about that, you know. Um, this is not fair, and people should be really angry about this. And people are. It's just that that rage is being channeled by the right and not by the left. So come on, lefties, let's get going. Sherry, you're awesome. Thank you so much. By the way, I'm going to give your book another plug because uh, oh, yeah. well, it's awesome. Thank you. Uh, the Queer Evangelist. Um, you can you can grab that in, anywhere you grab books, I guess, Amazon or something. Um, and listen, I would love to have you back because I think that your your voice and your mind and the way that you think politically is a voice that needs to be heard right now. Because I think a lot of us are really drifting into that apathetic place. We're worried about our lives. We're looking inward instead of outwards. And I and I and I'd love to have you back just to talk about this, this kind of stuff a little bit more. Yeah, so absolutely. Anytime we have a planet to save. So, yeah, get busy. Awesome. See you, everybody. Sure. I appreciate it. Jerry Genovo, that was awesome. Um, and and this, by the way, is uh, is going to be a strange day because uh, you go from that. She's lovely. She's fierce and smart, and she's politically savvy. And then in twenty minutes, I'm interviewing Chris Guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's it's like what would you call that? Juxtaposition day here on Blackballed. Um, opposite day, Bizarro hour. I don't know. I love her. Uh, and again, I don't agree with her politically um, on everything, um, but listen to her talk. She's sensible. She cares about people. And uh, and I'm really, uh, you know, what's kind of funny is that in the last four or five years, I've had to, uh, you know, I built this kind of like this mighty hump of like stubbornness when it comes to lefties because I just, I get irked and I get like, I cringe a lot when when they talk. And then I hear Sherry talk, and while some of the things that she said I don't necessarily agree with, like, you know, I don't think every conservative is bad, and she kind of makes it seem like they are. I don't think every lefty is good. She kind of makes it seem like they are. But you know what? I don't care. She's smart, and she she seems to care about people, and I can tell that her heart is in the right place, and she's got the biggest brain of any politician I think I know in this country. And um, I wish she would run for mayor, and and but the fact that she's not, I'm glad that she's going to come back on the show. It would just be nice. I, I I'd have her once a week just just to like talk politics with her because I think she's she's that worthwhile to speak with. Um, okay, in about uh, 19 minutes, um, barring any uh, unfortunate accident, um, Chris Guy will be on the show.
I'm going to preamble this. I'm going to do this again probably uh, after I'm done interviewing him. I almost canceled the interview today after it was brought to my attention that um, somebody that I care about, somebody that, um, that, that I know, was a little bit irked at the idea that I would have uh, Chris Guy on um, because of his views on the Holocaust, which I didn't know until today. Um, but he is um, basically, I, I don't know if a Holocaust denier is the right term for him, but you know he questions the amount of Jewish people that were killed and he sort of downplays it and then, and then says that now the Jewish people use it as some sort of racket. I'll post the comments when he's on because I am going to challenge him on this. And I decided to have the, go through with the interview anyways because it's, it's not really about the questionable views of the guest. It's about being able to hear people with questionable views say their views first person, not, not typed in a social media post or not retold by pundits, but, but from them. He's got a trial going on right now, so he's kind of current in that sense. Um, he might run for mayor. It's hilarious, but that's also kind of current. But uh, I think um, I, I'm, I'm going to go on a limb here and say that he's not watching this right now. But even if he is, I, I am going to, uh, you know, spend the, the second half of that interview challenging this person on the views that he's already said. If it turns into like a like on his end, I'll just let him go. I'll just I'll just look at the camera, which is something I never do, like I'm trying to do right now without laughing because it feels silly. And I'll just let him go. I, I, you guys know me. I'm cheeky, and I can. I have a sharp fucking tongue when I want to have one. Normally, normally I don't do that to guests, but I might make an exception. Um, and I just want to let everyone know that it, it it's never an endorsement of anyone's views. Look, I just talked to Sherry Denovo. I bet you, if we really unpack what we believe in, we probably I probably agree with her maybe seventy percent of the time. But that thirty percent of the time isn't going to be me cussing her out because of that thirty percent of the time. But a Holocaust denier. You might see me cuss him out a little bit, but I'm going to try to do so very professionally, <laughs> I think is what I'm trying to say. Um, so we'll see you in about 15 minutes, and, uh, and hopefully um, that interview will, uh, will not be too much of a circus. So we'll see you in about 15 minutes on Black Vault. Black Did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Crier Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. 
and Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network.